0: This is Bigger Questions, with Andrew Laird filling in for your regular host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the City of Melbourne. Today's big question, how do I overcome my limitations? We're asking this question today to Stephanie Judd. Steph is the Women's Ministry Director at City on a Hill Church in Melbourne. She's previously worked as a high school chaplain and a Christian studies teacher. She's married to Andy and together they have a little boy. Would you please welcome Steph to Bigger Questions? Welcome, Steph. Now, Steph, reading your bio, it says you previously trained as an opera singer. I did but that you never get enough time to sing, although your son particularly likes your rendition of Incy Wincy Spider. Is that right?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, not because it's particularly operatic. I think it's, you know, the choreography that goes with it, perhaps. Okay.
0: I'm intrigued, though. When you do an opera rendition of nursery rhymes, is it more or less effective in getting them to sleep?
1: (laughs) Oh, Yeah, definitely less. Uh, There's a high level of decibels uh, going on there. Probably less effective for the people either side of us uh, to get to sleep, as as well as quite a lot of (laughs) amplification.
0: Okay. Now, we're talking today about overcoming limitations, and we've mentioned one there already. But before we come to that, we like to kick off bigger questions with a couple of smaller questions we try to have a bit of fun on the show. And so I thought I'd test you on how much you know about attempts to overcome limitations when it comes to eating competitions. Wow, Steph, have you ever been in an eating competition?
1: Probably not a formal one. Uh, Most (laughs) of us have sort of internal competitions with those around us at points. Okay. Um, Yeah, maybe childhood, you know, Pizza Hut, that kind of thing.
0: That's right, the all-you-can-eat. All-you-can-eat. Yes. That
1: is a challenge in itself.
0: Well, we've got two questions, multiple choice. Here's question one. The World Pie Eating Championship is held each year in Harry's Bar in Wigan, England. The fastest time was set in 2010 when Neil Collier downed a pie in how many seconds? Was it A, 23.91 seconds? It has to be seen to be believed. Mm. B, 53.5 seconds, just under a minute. C, 68.9 seconds, just over a minute. Or D, four and a half minutes, the English like to eat their pies sensibly and properly. <laughs> Which one is it, A, B, C or D? Well,
1: it really depends on how big the pie is, wouldn't it? I think they were about te-
0: 12 centimetres in diameter. Wow, so okay, kind so of that's
1: that's significant. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd go with A then. A? Um, you know, that's, yeah, it's not as big as it could be. Final a, answer? Yeah.
0: Is correct. Twenty-three point nine one seconds. Um, one person who witnessed the feat described it like this: He just seemed to open his throat, and down it went. Um, which is a little bit how I describe my kids when they get chocolate in front of them. Yep. All right. So you're one from one. Mm. You've already passed. Here's to get Easy. full marks. All right. So competitive eating, also known as speed eating, is serious business. So much so it has an independent governing body that sanctions events. <laughs> Is the governing body known as A, the Fill Up Foundation, B, All Pro Eating, C, the Full Belly Body, (laughs) or D, the Australian Institute of Sport? Which one of those is it? I like
1: it. I think I'll go with C only because I'd I'd like it to be called the Full (laughs) Belly Body. That just sounds exotic, doesn't it?
0: Well, C is actually incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) The correct answer is actually B, all pro-eating. There you go. And actually, according to their website, they have a number of rules governing Mm. speed eating, including you're meant to keep your eating surface relatively clean while you compete, and also that you're automatically disqualified if you commit an act of reversal. Uh, which is also known as throwing up. You're automatically out. Sounds that's a lot
1: more civilized that way. That's
0: it? right. That's probably awesome. that's probably a bit too much information. So, Steph, in our uh, eating competition quiz, you got one out of two right. So you've passed. Yeah, officially. Please give Steph a round of applause. Thank you. Now, Steph, we could have spent this entire episode talking about speed eating competitions. Mm. There's a lot of them out there. Um, I remember, though, as a kid, not just speed eating competitions, but the Guinness Book of Records, I used to love poring over that as a kid, looking at all these different ways that we push ourselves to the limit. Why is it that we like pushing ourselves to the limit?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think uh, there are a number of reasons that's probably the case. I think one is we like the idea of uh, pushing beyond our bounds, perhaps being more than we are. Mm. Of exploring uh, the boundaries of our humanity, and in a way testing humanity, trying uh, perhaps to to put the boundaries of, of what it means to be human by exploring in humanity mm. what it means to be to function as a human, even beyond our natural human limitations. Mm.
0: Now, For me personally, I love cycling. And mm. uh, on my bike I have a sticker which says, Shut up legs. Yes. Uh, the idea being that when your legs start hurting, you tell them to shut up and, and yeah. keep going. It's, yeah. it's, I guess that's an illustration in some ways of what we're talking about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, as a reflection there of, of that uh, view of limitations of being something negative, something we need to silence, uh, stamp out if we're going to be all that we're... Design perhaps mm. all that we're able to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that particularly negative view of limitations.
0: But it's not just uh, in sport or extreme eating where we might push ourselves to the limit. How might we also do it in other areas of life, just work life, family life?
1: Probably the most prominent struggle that comes to mind for most of us is how we, we manage our time, that kind of general awareness of not being able to be multiple places at once and uh, having to push beyond the boundaries of our, of our physical limitations uh, as we you know, work harder perhaps, as we sleep less. You know, there are other limitations in terms of our emotional limitations and relational limitations. I think there's a bit of a mantra out there right. of, um, you know, you ask someone how, how they are and uh, a common response is, oh, I'm really busy. And there's something often that seems quite triumphant or noble in right. that and being busy and pushing, pushing beyond uh, your human boundaries there. It's
0: good to be busy. Mm. Yeah. Well, tell us about yourself. Are there particular areas where you personally have tried to push yourself to the limit?
1: I remember, I think it was, um, I was about 15 and I was in science class and I remember, I had no idea what was going on in science, I just remember being sort of in this moment of, uh, of, of personal dilemma where I um, was thinking through my life and my week and I felt overwhelmed by it. There were all these things I wanted to do. I used to be a steelboat rower and mm-hmm. at the time I was training... 10 to 12 times a week, you know, mornings, nights, Sundays, regattas, that kind of thing. I have always been a singer as well. Mm -hmm. We discussed that briefly, but um, I was part of the Australian girls choir and there were rehearsals, probably about six hours a week I spent involved there. Uh, There was also a a school musical coming up that I really wanted uh, to be involved in. Um, I really wanted a principal role in. And I just had this moment of realizing I just couldn't do it all. Mm. And I was overwhelmed by that reality, I sort of almost terrified by it, the, the kind of thought that uh, I couldn't do everything I wanted to do and somehow making a decision not to do something might actually impact on my um, worth or value as a person, mm. what I could offer and what I could, could achieve. Mm. Um, and since then that's been you know uh, a battle, I guess, that I've continued to face. Yeah.
0: Um, so you've always been someone who likes to push themselves to the limit, even at mm. 15 years old, mm. sitting there in science class and thinking, how do I fit it all in? Yeah,
1: that's right. And not only pushing myself to the limit, but kind of the fear of, of not doing that and of what that would mean okay. um, to actually make decisions with my time and say, um, uh, say no.
0: Yeah. So what's wrong with trying to live like that, trying to push to the limits in mm. all areas of life and mm. fill up every little spot possible?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think experientially uh, most of us would have encountered this at some stage in our life. It just doesn't really work mm-hmm. in that we can't physically be in multiple places at once. Uh, we're forced to make prioritise our time and our commitments, our relationships. So when we don't do that, uh, when we try and, and be all things to all people at all time, achieve all, you know, all that we could set our minds and our hopes on um, – We feel it to the detriment of our humanity. Mm. Uh, We feel it um, mentally, emotionally, the strains that it puts there physically. It's dysfunction in a way has been expressed by many people in different ways. There's um, there's burnout, there's Mm. relational breakdown. It's interesting because we feel it's dysfunction and yet, personally, I'm not always convinced that prioritising my time is actually a good thing. I keep going for Mm. more, I keep wanting to strive more. So there's that tension Mm. of our reality, Mm. our experience... Um, with our hopes and, and dreams.
0: Now, it's a question that's just come through from our live audience. So, surely we should push the boundaries. They're not static. Isn't there a place for grit?
1: What's really interesting is we love exploring what those that the static boundaries are. How yes. far can we go? Um, there has to be a point in which you know people stop running faster. But mm. what is that? Um, yes. So there is a level of exploration there. Mm. Um, but I think it's also worth acknowledging there are some. Some aspects of ourself and our humanity that are static.
0: It seems as so though in our world today, that limits in the way we've been talking so far are often viewed negatively, mm. particularly in the working world. Yes. That we're often encouraged to not admit limits or to ask for help. Are we? Mm. There's a real anti-limit sentiment.
1: That's right. I th- there's a pride, I think, in independence. You know, being able to do everything our- ourselves. To be that's considered to be, you know, capable. Uh, mm. To not need to ask for help. To be able to manage things on our own capacity. But I think being able to ask for help um, in acknowledging your limitations actually probably enables us within our humanity to be um, less limited. (laughs) Right. within our limitations, once we acknowledge that we have them, we're able to identify where the gaps are and Mm. actually draw on others uh, to help shape and and form us and actually... um, achieve, if um, if you're know, seeking for achievement or impact, to have a greater impact with the import and the help of others mm. within our limitations. Mm.
0: Well, we want to come to what you've hinted at a couple of points now of being able to flourish when we acknowledge limitations or weakness. But just before we come to that, I can't help but think of one of the great limiters, or perhaps the greatest limiter when it comes to being human, and, mm. that, and that is death. And that is a pretty significant limiter, isn't it?
1: Huge. And I think that shapes so much of our life and our relationships the way that we think about ourselves, the way we think about others, even the way that we think about our purpose. You know, the shadow of death looms large and I wonder whether that shadow is actually a bit of a driving force in thinking, well, I've I've got... If this is it, if this is all I have now, I've I've got to make the most impact I can in this life. Mm. Um, I've got got to max out, if you like, Mm. on all my opportunities, on all of my relationships. Uh, Yeah, I've got to push for success. um, And certainly we feel it in relationships. Even our most secure relationships, that shadow of death looms large and there's a fear of loss that enters in there. Uh, So I think it's it's very difficult to be human without feeling that.
0: Mm. So subconsciously the shadow of death might actually be lying there in the background driving this push for limitations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today's big question is, how do I overcome limitations? And we recognize that being human means having limits, including the greatest limiter of death. Yeah. But Steph, you're a Christian person, mm. and so you believe the Christian faith has answers to even this great limitation. I do. Before we come to that, Steph, can you tell us um, what convinced you to become a Christian believer?
1: Mm, a number of things. I became Christian when I was 17 years old. And uh, I grew up uh, within the Catholic Church and I went to Mass and actually really enjoyed that experience of going to Mass, of feeling like I'm part of something bigger than myself. But I certainly personally hadn't really engaged with Jesus at that point. But I met a friend called Sophie who called herself a Christian. In, in my view, she was kind of next level kind of Christian, mm. crazy kind of Christian. <laughs> she talked about Jesus like he was a real person, like she knew him. Personally, I
0: was going to say, what made it crazy, her yeah, Christianity? Yeah,
1: I, I think, um, I mean, to me, because I didn't feel at that point that I knew Jesus personally, for her to talk about Jesus really just felt like she was talking about an invisible friend mm. um, that everyone else knew didn't exist, <laughs> but it uh, was so real in her mind. Yeah. Uh, on another level, her her life and her character was so compelling. So um, I remember as a teenager, you know, teenage girls, notorious for God, being gossipers, um, I was no exception. I remember Sophie, you know, saying that actually she didn't want to engage in in gossip as like a 13, 14-year-old. That's extraordinary. Mm. She was joyful, uh, remarkably content for someone uh, her age and I was compelled by her. I just thought, what is it that's going on for her (laughs) that enables her to be that kind of person? So I pursued the weird uh, for the good and then at the age of uh, 17 she invited me along uh, to her church. I think at that point I saw um, a church that was very different to some of the churches I've been at. I think I just saw people praying to God like they really knew who it was they were mm. talking to, and people worshipping God like they really knew why it was that He was worthy of their worship. And I just thought, I don't know what God that is, but I um, know that I want to know Him. Mm. Um, and they gave me a, a New Testament and and began to read it. Initially, I read it because it was uh, controversial and some of the things <laughs> that I was reading angered me. You know, okay, Jesus. so the initial
0: response was anger.
1: Yeah, Bible. absolutely. Okay. I,
0: was,
1: I was at a point of dilemma because it was a book that I'd learned to revere but never engaged with. Hmm. And then once I started engaging with it, I learned there was content in it that really disturbed me. You know, Jesus talked a lot about hell and demons, for example, and seemed to be very, very black and white on things and... Hmm. So I thought, how do I reconcile you know, my review of this book and had some sense of, that it had an authority to it with, with what I was reading that really confronted mm-hmm. me. So I just kept reading and hoped mm-hmm. that that was the way I'd figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually I hit the Gospels, um, read about Jesus' his life, his teaching, and I was just compelled really by the person of Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was clear to me that he had a, a unique divine power and mm-hmm. yet it you know intersected into our world and had implications for our world. His teachings seemed to make sense of life and offer a wisdom and a comfort Mm. I hadn't come across anywhere. I specifically remember um, sitting at school reading my Bible. I just basically became obsessed with reading the Bible, wasn't Mm. telling anyone, but um, just couldn't get enough of it. And um, I remember reading uh, Jesus' teaching to his disciples, trying to prepare them for his departure after his death. And, Mm. um, you know, he said, you don't need to fear because um, God knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, and Mm. he knows every hair on your head. And I thought about every hair in my head. (laughs) I thought, that's a lot of hairs. Yeah, um,
0: well, for some of us. For some.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Andrew. And a lot of intimate knowledge. And at that point, I thought, well, if God knows me that intimately, Mm. I really need to get to know him Mm. because otherwise I'm just vulnerable. So I went along. Um, Eventually, I just called up all the local churches around (laughs) me and, and said, you know, do you have people who read the Bible together? I've been reading the Bible. I just I can't do this on my own anymore. Hmm. Never heard of you know Bible studies or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they said, yeah, we do. You know, come come along. And it was in those kind of first couple of weeks of meeting with other people my age um, that I put forward all those questions that I'd be gathering for about 17, 18 years mm. about who Jesus is and the significance of his death and resurrection. I think for me, the thing that really um, helped me understand not only who Jesus was, but all that that meant for my life, Mm. was the wonderful leader who explained the cross to me, particularly Mm. as we look to the cross, Jesus represents us there in our humanity, Mm. that he takes on that great limitation of death for Mm. us, that Mm. he at that point steps in um, as the one who did humanity properly and yet undergoes the great enemy of humanity, Mm. death for our sake, as our as our condemnation, mm, and he, mm. he takes that and then he buries it in the tomb. Mm. And not only so, but then he is triumphant above it. Mm. And so I saw there um, uh, an extraordinary hope beyond our great limitation.
0: Thanks for sharing that, your story there. I, I just want to pick you up on... Uh maybe a paradox in just what you shared, because you said one of the things that struck you about Jesus was his power. Yes. So seemingly someone without limitations, and yet he also dies. Yes. So how do you reconcile that in terms of who this person of Jesus is?
1: Absolutely. And I think this is perhaps one of the most compelling, beautiful things about who Jesus is. In the cross and in his whole person, actually, in his teaching and his power and also his humility, uh, we see someone who is fully God Mm -hmm. And yet fully man. You know, we read in in John 1 that uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. It's a reference there there to Jesus as the Son of Man, the one who was eternally with the Father, Mm. uh, within the Godhead. And yet, uh, one moment of time, Jesus became human. He was Mm. always a person together with the Father and the Spirit. Um, But then a moment of time, he became human and forevermore. From that point on, he was human. Uh, and still is in the resurrected flesh, which is extraordinary humility on the part of our creator, God. Mm. And, and shows, gives us a model of the ultimate power through weakness and humility, which has huge implications for our view of what it means to mm. be humble mm. and weak.
0: You mentioned John chapter 1 there, and of course that famous verse of this God taking on the limits of mm. humanity. John chapter 1, verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Yes. That is an extraordinary claim, isn't it? That yes. God chose to take on limits in the person of Jesus. I mean, how does that make you feel? That that claim. Well,
1: it's extraordinary because, in some senses, um, Jesus as God is limitless, and that He displays limitless love, mm. holiness, humility, power, and yet He expresses those limitless attributes of God through limitations, human mm. limitations. And extraordinary. For me, I look at that and I think, wow, that gives a really profound dignity to our humanity and actually expresses a beauty in limitations in terms of what they can, how they can serve a life in the flesh, mm. of displaying limitless qualities of, mm. of love and humility and, mm. and being all that we're called to be as we lean into mm. limitations.
0: Mm. And you see Jesus, of course, with those limits of humanity in the mm. Gospels, tired, hungry, Absolutely. Uh needing to sleep, thirsty. But but help us here. So God takes on limits in Jesus. Mm. But how does that help us overcome our limitations?
1: It gives us, I think, a model to embrace having moments where we need to accept limitations. We can't be in every place at once, and that's okay. That didn't mm. take away from Jesus' mm-hmm. mission. In fact, mm. it served it. As the one who lived the life that we did not, in that he fully lived accord to his limitations in the most perfect ideal sense he was able to represent be our ultimate representative on the cross Mm. Um, he was he he had all the qualifications if you like as the one who was able to stand before god as worthy Mm. and and what the cross is all about is that in christ he as the one who is perfect and holy took on the condemnation of those who are not perfect and holy Mm. so that if if i unite myself to christ in christ there is the possibility to overcome the limitation of death, which is extraordinary.
0: Mm. In that passage from John we mentioned earlier, the word becomes flesh, it also says this, to all who received him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Um, how does that help us as well, perhaps, in understanding the type of humanity that is available for those who believe in Jesus?
1: Yeah, well, interesting that, that phrase there uh, it means I have uh, full access to the love and care of the creator God because... Mm. Uh, Christ stands in the love of God as his son, and I Mm. am in him. Mm. Um, All that is Christ is mine, which is um, a remarkable way to live Mm. life.
0: Let's just unpack this a little bit more for us, Mm. for for everyday life today. Mm. Is there a sense perhaps that the security which comes with knowing I'm a child of God, uh, knowing that I don't need to fear death, means that I'm then able to be free to admit limitations? I
1: think so. Because the shadow of death no longer looms... Large mm-hmm. and in the same way, we can look beyond this world to find our purpose, if mm-hmm. you like, and uh, live in light of that in the present. If my life is not just maxing out on impact or achievement mm-hmm. or even pleasure because this is it, if there's more than this,
0: mm. that
1: has profound implication for what I live my life for now. So in Christ, we're called up to it a remarkable purpose and mission mm. to know God, to glorify him in the world, to, to, to make decisions in light of that, to prioritize, um, not just what I do, but who I am, you know, to try to be, um, uh, to prioritize love and, 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 relationships, um, to glorify God in every sphere in which I exist, in the workspace, in the home, in leisure. And I think that gives extra dignity to what I do, um, Uh, and enables me to be okay with not doing some things in the name of doing the things that I do do well for the glory of God. Mm.
0: Mm. And the Christian faith also, uh, limits um, are often spoke about positively in the sense that they can both strengthen character and for the Christian person, deepen faith in God. Um, Have you ever had an experience where you have recognised your limitations and it has has done that for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a sense in which I feel this most days and every Mm -hmm. week. Uh, there wasn't time... Uh, so, a couple of years ago, I had um, major spinal surgery. I, As a teen, I developed se- severe degenerative scoliosis and um, got to the point in mid-20s where um, the severity of it had increased sort of dramatically and uh, seemed the only way forward was to, to have a, basically what was the whole spine and rib reconstruction. Mm. Um, uh, Six-hour surgery, I've got, you know, 16 screws and two major titanium poles in my spine
0: so i mean it sets off all the alarms at the airport you or know i wish i wish
1: it did you feel like you know you go through something that dramatic and you, there should be some ongoing drama yeah. to signify what you went through but uh, i haven't gone through international yet Maybe okay national but fairly, fairly serious
0: recovery i presume
1: huge um yeah so for basically 10 12 weeks i was just on my back mm. i had to move back into my parents place so my you know, husband could go to work and mum basically was my full-time carer, mm. dressed me, clothed me, showered me, helped me get up in the morning. As a, uh, someone in their latter 20s going back and being fully physically dependent on your parents again, it's mm. that's a unique kind of experience. Mm. Um, you know, that really challenged my sense of what it means to live a meaningful life as a human being. Mm. Um, you know, would, I just couldn't do anything else but on my back. Mm. Um, there was a question about whether I'd be able, to, depending on how my rehabilitation went, whether I'd be able to um, go back and, and finish my theological study, which I ended up being able to do. But, you know, in the meantime, mm. thinking, well, what does that mean? Am I any kind of um, restricted in terms of the, the impact or my worth or something if I can't actually achieve all that I can? And how did
0: you resolve that?
1: Mm. Um, well, I had a lot of time to reflect on that yeah, for one. ten weeks. Uh, <laughs> ten weeks. Well, I mean, it was a, a time to reflect on um, the fact that uh, our dignity, human our, hum, as humans, really is not in what we do; mm. um, it's in who we are. And if our our life goal and and purpose is to to glorify God, um, we can do that in any circumstance that we're in. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I can do that in the way that I relate to my mother when she cares for me, as you know, as I'm lying mm. on my back. Um, I can do that while studying theological study. I can I can do that in the workspace. I can yeah. There's a, Limitless, if you like, possibilities with where we can <laughs> find worth and, and, and dignity. Um, even when you're limited even physically. Even when you're limited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other way which really stood out to me was the care of uh Christian community. Mm. It was extraordinary to see um, the amount of people that would come and help cook meals, mm. take me out for a brief walk in a park, help me with my rehabilitation. Mm. And that's, that's, I guess, an example of where I recognise that, I wasn't any less human for needing help, actually. There was something Mm. profoundly innate in as as being a human to be able to and to need to draw on the help of others. Mm.
0: So in light of what we've looked at about Jesus, in light of the experience that you've just shared there, say you could go back to that science classroom. What would you tell say to your year 10 self in light of all of that?
1: Yeah. I'd probably say to my uh, year 10 self the same thing that I'd say to my 31 year old (laughs) self at the moment and uh, that is that our limitations are not obstacles or enemies to our humanity nor to our our purpose in life. But actually I think they're a very very means by which um, God brings about his purposes for us and for others in the world. In fact, we wouldn't now be able to Glorify God without them in the way that he has designed us to as human, human beings.
0: Mm. So, Steph, how do I overcome my limitations? Mm-hmm.
1: We overcome our limitations by embracing them through the person of Jesus Christ who brings hope, dignity and, and purpose to our humanity.
0: Mm. Excellent. Well, let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, how do I overcome my limitations? From John chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. And to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Stephanie Judd.
1: Thank you. Enjoy
0: Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com biggerquestions.